0: Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil 10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time. Stephen McCrell left home on a hot July night in 2015, something he'd done dozens of times before, but this was the last time the 25-year-old poker player was seen alive. What happened between Lucky's Tavern and the Valero Gas Station? Well, welcome to this edition of Profiling Evil. I'm joined tonight by my co-host on this project, Taylor Nicholas of TGI Crime Day. We're going to be exploring this perplexing whodunit alongside you. But before we do, make sure you've pounded that like and subscribe button and ring the bell so you get all of our videos in a timely manner. Now listen, I'm sporting some new uh, Profile and Evil swag here. So I hope you're taking advantage of that and getting some of that merchandise. Now keep in mind, this video was recorded more than six months ago as the team was preparing to search for Steven. So to get started, Taylor, let's just jump into this pre-recorded episode.
1: Stephen McCrell spent the evening of July 30th, 2015, out with some buddies at Lucky's Tavern in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Around 1.30 a.m., Stephen left the bar and planned to continue his night out. Stephen told his friend that he would meet up with him in the Walgreens parking lot that was only a couple of blocks away from Lucky's Tavern, but he never showed up. Later, Stephen was seen on a CCTV footage at a Valero gas station buying snacks. In the footage, you can see that Steven looks a little off balance as he leaves the gas station. Um, he's kind of stumbling, and he goes over to the door and tries to pull the door open when it's a push door, which I've done many, many times. Again, sober. So, you know, we can't we can't read too much into that. But he does look like he's a little off kilter when he leaves the gas station. And in the parking lot, he actually had some kind of a confrontation or an altercation with another car.
0: Now, i got to ask, did he have the altercation with the car? Or with the occupants Probably in the car. Probably
1: with the, well, both technically. <laughs> It, it happens with both. Okay. There is an altercation. There was some kind of a conversation between him and the passenger of this other car. So he's seen standing between his own car, which is a white 2013 Ford Fusion, and a silver sedan that is unidentified. They think it's possibly a Chevy Cavalier or a Chevy Malibu. So Stephen leaned into the driver's side window of this car for a moment, and then as the car drove away, Stephen threw a can at the car. See? So he did get into an altercation with the actual car.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he did assault the car. He did assault the car.
1: (laughs) Um, So the silver car actually circled back around this parking lot. There was only one exit that you had to go out of to the west. Um, And it appeared that this car waited for Stephen to leave the parking lot. And when he pulled out of the lot, this silver car followed him. After leaving this parking lot, Stephen and his car vanished.
0: This one is really difficult, Taylor. We know that Stephen McCrell was a 25-year-old professional poker dealer. I mean, how many people can say that on, put that on their resume? He worked at Gulfstream Park Casino in Hallandale Beach, Florida. Not too far from uh, where his mother lived, where we think he may have lived. There were a couple of family members when we did uh, research on this young man that were all kind of near where his mother was living, including it looks like perhaps even his uh, girlfriend. But closer examination of this period of time is what really captured my attention. You see, the night before he disappears, he worked all night long, getting off at about four o'clock in the morning. I'm assuming dealing cards until 4 a.m. Now, he may have caught a little bit of sleep, but he didn't get much because it's reported that he took off with his cousin and spent the day fishing. Now, keep in mind, this is 4 a.m. when he's leaving work. So I'm only theorizing, but he's probably spent all day awake. Now an entire shift, it's 4 a.m., gets home and says, let's go fishing. And, And if they fish like I fish, You try to get out early in the morning before the sun comes up. So I'm thinking they just keep going at 100 miles an hour. Now, the public information out there and the research that you've done shows us that they spent about 13 hours out on the ocean. They, They undoubtedly were tired, may have caught a nap, cat nap here and there, but they fished for about 13 hours. His cousin, in one of the reports we read, said that he may have had as many as five drinks.
1: So you've done a lot of training over the years on the subject of victim risk reduction. Um, So, Mike, what are the things that really jump out to you in this situation?
0: Well, from a victim risk perspective, this guy is already proving he can go way off the chart when it comes to making risky decisions. And folks, if you're family, please, this is not an indictment on this young man uh, he, he worked all night. He fished all day. S- deciding to go out and spend more time uh, going to bars and other places is not a way to reduce your risk, your your uh, chances of something bad happening. It's possible he could have caught some sleep while he was out fishing, but it wouldn't have been quality sleep. Now, I want to talk about the victim risk continuum a little bit because what we've learned is that when um, someone does things that are outside of the norm their risk levels start to rise well hey folks we're talking about victim risk and this is a perfect time to remind you that you can go over to our playlist and look up the academy there you're going to find a number of videos on different kinds of behavioral characteristics including things like the behavioral risk continuum now these are the kinds of things that profilers look at when they're examining unsolved crimes. I think you'd like watching them, and you're going to learn something as you do so. And if you think about it, check out our channel memberships. You might consider joining one of them. It's a great way to support Profiling Evil, and again, learn a whole lot more along the way. So they're out fishing. They they come in from fishing a 13-hour day. Did they catch oh, sleep? Too much. Probably not, and it certainly wasn't I can good. barely make
1: it through a regular day without a nap, let alone working all night. Fishing all day out in the sun, that sounds exhausting. It makes me want to go to sleep right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for those who have fished on the ocean and that kind of rocking and rolling, it I suspect they may have maybe caught they, a Maybe they did take good. a little nap because that sounds
1: very relaxing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as this fishing expedition comes to a close, and I might add it was apparently really successful because they took pictures of themselves with this huge lobster they harvest. They left the ocean and they headed in for the evening. Now, showing his 20-something age and maybe thinking, Stevens just says, hey, let me shower. He jumps in his cousin's shower, and then he races over to a place called Lucky's Tavern, where he continues to party throughout the night with his buddies. I mean, Just look at this, Taylor. Can you see his risk level rising?
1: Absolutely. Um, Yes, I can definitely see how that would make things very risky. And then especially, I feel like sometimes if you've ever had to do something where you have been awake, I mean, you have obviously, because being in in law enforcement, you've been awake for 24 hours or more. At that point, you almost get the second wind where you're like, I'm already up. Let's just keep going. I'm already tired. We're already out. Let's just go. Let's have a good night. And then we'll go home and crash. Tomorrow, especially when you're 25. You like feel like you're invincible. So I think that, you know, as you get more tired and maybe as you've been drinking throughout the day or definitely at the bars, your judgment starts to become less focused. And you're just all about what's the next fun thing, what's the next next exciting thing that's gonna keep this day going.
0: Yeah, there you go. And you know, you think about it. They party at this bar until about 1.30 in the morning. So he has been up now for probably 30 or 36 hours at least at this point. Now, he and his buddies then agree it's 1.30 in the morning. I don't know if they're closing down that particular bar or not, but they agree. Let's meet over at a nearby Walgreens. Now, I don't know what the plan could have been at the Walgreens, but one thing is clear doesn't appear that Stephen went home.
1: Yes, I could only see two potential addresses for him, and they were both pretty close by each other. Definitely not in the area that we see him go.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing, isn't it? His mother lives to the southwest of the tavern. The the Walgreens is only a few blocks from the tavern where they were. So he throws this wild curveball at us. He gets in his car and he drives 20 minutes to the north to a gas station. And we know that because he's seen on CCTV walking around the convenience store and also getting fuel. Now, maybe after all night of drinking, he's got the munchies. I don't know. But he appears during all of this to have a confrontation like you talked about with some guys in another vehicle. And it appears that vehicle follows him from the gas station. Now, I found two interesting reports from the Sun Sentinel and CBS4 Miami that have some kind of interesting segments that I want to play and react to. The first clip is from the video surveillance footage inside the convenience store. It shows what, to me, looks like a clearly intoxicated Stephen McCrell. I mean, just watch as we uh, look at this video, his actions as he moves throughout the store. Some of his hand movements, his gestures, the uh, almost the way in which he looks at even the food in the candy aisle there or the chip aisle. But most importantly, look at the way he responds when he gets to the door and tries to get out the door. Now, you mentioned it in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way that you've had that happen. But usually after one try, you figure it out. Here we see him taking multiple tries to figure it out. Then we see the CCTV capturing him and interacting with this guy you talked about at the pump. So he's he's having some kind of interaction with a guy in the passenger seat of that vehicle, whatever the words are. And I can imagine a normal human being seeing him drunk saying, are you kidding me? Are you driving in the state of mind that you're in, you know? So it could have been a very uh, normal interchange or it could have been aggressive. But we see CT- CCTV capturing an image of one of the uh, passengers as he goes into the to the uh, convenience store. Now, everything that I've been able to tell, police have been unable to locate him, or at least that's what they're leaving us to believe. But here, here's something that bugs me. You've been to a lot of gas stations, I assume, uh, Taylor. We're only seeing images in really weird places, really good imagery inside the store kind of a crummy image outside, does it make sense that they wouldn't have cameras pointing in the way that license plates could be picked up by the vehicles in there?
1: That does seem really weird now that you mention that. And I'm trying to think about the 7-Eleven that I always go to. There are security cameras that are on either edge of the building that point directly into the parking lot. So you could probably, not that I've seen the footage, but I would assume you could see the pumps and then all of those um the parking spots that are right in front of that door and it makes me wonder where that footage is being taken from that you wouldn't be able to see a better side of that car and especially the license plate if it's you know even if they only had a back license plate you would still be able to see it as they drove away depending where the cameras were right
0: that's what you would think and and i guess what it leaves me wondering And I don't know why I'm wondering, because I feel pretty comfortable it's true. We have to assume that law enforcement has a whole lot more information than we have through public resources. But I want to play this video. And and again, pay really close attention here. This is something you mentioned. The same vehicle that he's having that argument must go around the backside of the gas station, because as soon as he pulls out, It clearly pulls in behind him and follows McCrell out. So the question becomes, what happened? So what are your thoughts, Taylor?
1: Oh, so many thoughts. I feel like as I watched that footage, it's so different from what it was described in articles that I read. Uh, When you first say, you know, he had a few drinks while they were out. Maybe he had five drinks. If they were out for hours, depending on how quickly he metabolizes or how quickly he gets drunk. Five drinks, you could be at a different state of mind. And I think you could be kind of in a different headspace depending. But I think when you add the fact that he's been awake now for at least 30 hours, and then on top of that, you add the alcohol, you're even more impaired. I think the sleep deprivation, like when you don't sleep for 24 hours, isn't it almost the same as being intoxicated? I feel like I've read that before. And especially as far as like falling asleep at the wheel, when you are that sleep deprived, you might as well be drunk because your decision-making process goes way down. And then I think, especially when you add in another layer of seeing him stumbling around with that car and then throwing a can at it as they drive away, it just, it makes my stomach clench because it just makes me worried for his safety and the safety of those around him. So it makes you wonder When this car followed him out of that parking lot, what was the plan? And did they actually follow him? Did it just appear that way? I think they waited for him. They circled back around. They were obviously on their way out. And then they waited for him to get in his car and leave that parking lot out of that one exit. Then what? Where did he go?
0: You know, that's a really good point. Because if it was a concerned citizen, they would have gone inside and called police. Or they would have followed and called on their mobile phone. I mean, this was only five or six years ago. So uh, six years ago, I think. So they, they clearly, chances are they would have had a cell phone that they could have made a call with. They followed because they were ticked off by whatever happened. And that's
1: what I was afraid of. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought too. And I just, the whole situation just makes me feel so uneasy. And I wish that there would have been maybe a third person that had been in that parking lot that saw it happen and could have called authorities or something, because. We know that what happens next is that now a family is missing a loved one and we have no idea where he was going or what happened afterwards.
0: Well, and you found some really interesting information about the number of areas that law enforcement has already searched, uh, some of the other efforts that have gone in the area. What, What were those findings? Hey everybody, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is TruthFinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So, if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your next online date, give TruthFinder a try. I'm including a link below with special discount pricing. You got to click the link to get it, and then enter Evil 10 at checkout. We're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, enough to buy a small diet Dr. Pepper, but you can cancel at any time. Thanks for listening today.
1: So I found that there have been um, over 200 bodies of water that have been searched after his disappearance, both by law enforcement and by um, volunteer dive teams. But there still has been no sign of his Stephen and no sign of his car. Um, So Mike, I hope that you have some good maps for me today because as I was looking at this area, I saw so many bodies of water, I didn't even know which one to focus on first.
0: So I think there's always something good that can come from looking at these things geographically because what we learn is that these past behaviors are indicative of future behaviors, that, that the road that most people travel is the most probable place to stop. And so as we look at this particular case, I want to just zoom in on first uh, down to the area of the Walgreens and Lucky's Tavern, where this story really starts to boil. And uh, um, so we see it's just a really short distance from Lucky's Tavern. But when he leaves and says, hey, let's meet over at Walgreens, he he takes one of two routes, in my opinion. But The thing that's so weird is he doesn't go to Walgreens. He heads north and goes up to this gas station. And why he goes to this gas station, I don't know. But uh, once he gets to that gas station, a couple of interesting things I found uh, as I looked at that area. Number one, access into the gas station is kind of a tough place to enter and leave from. You really have to enter off of 834. Uh, So that road going north and south is really not an access point uh, if you're traveling northbound. It looks like you probably can get into there if you're traveling southbound. But he would have had to have either uh, come up on this red point or the blue point to get into there and be able to access the gas station. Now, what we know by looking at that video, it would make it appear that he was parked in this outside gas lane right here that I've indicated with a red dashed line and that his vehicle would be pointing westbound or to the left as we look at this. After that exchange, he would have had to have driven out and turned right uh, to get onto the highway and leave. But, But you mentioned the fact that they went around the building and we just need to be able to figure out how on earth they did that. In reality, what it looks like is they probably pulled around the parking lot When they first left and said, wait a minute, that guy's not getting away with this and came around this way. I suspect he probably saw that because the vehicle is really close when we look at the uh, video imagery. Uh, When he pulls out, that car is right behind him. So he probably knew he had problems already at that point. He then pulls onto that highway and starts westbound. We know that he has to go westbound. So the question becomes, did he go down and make a U-turn and come back and take that westerly, uh, as he goes south, that westerly road or the further one to the east? And I I think it just boils down to he took one of two directions as he went down there. But here's something really interesting that I wanted to point out that I don't know that people really understand, and that is that when this guy is traveling through – from point A to point B. If he's going from the gas station back to the Walgreens or coming from Lucky's Tavern to the gas station, look how many different police jurisdictions he oh. passes through. First, he leaves um, Deer, Deerfield Beach. Here we have Pompano Beach. Now as he's driving, he's going through Pompano Beach. Keep going down here. Then he comes into Fort Lauderdale or Oakland Park, depending on which jurisdiction. Fort Lauderdale over here, Oakland Park over here. Um, And you can see the boundary of those city limits. Can you see how difficult these cases become in sharing information, even if police were saying, hey, uh, whose case is this to handle? Who's going to be responsible for this case? Then we go just a little bit further further. And uh, they go from, again, uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale. They pass through another little community called Wilton Manors back into Fort Lauderdale or to Oakland Park, depending on what point they are. And then they end up, uh, if he goes back to the Walgreens or Lucky's Tavern in uh, Fort Lauderdale. So that's, oh,
1: that's man. one major problem. That is <laughs> such a nightmare with – I from what I understand, having those different jurisdictions can be really confusing. And especially where I believe it was his mom that reported him missing. So she would have probably called Fort Lauderdale police. Then when they found that footage of him up in Pompano Beach, how do you even begin to start that communication process? And then all of the jurisdictions in between.
0: Exactly. And that might explain why it is several days, before they find that video imagery and have to start plugging the pieces of this case together.
1: The fact that they were able to even find that I think is incredible.
0: Yeah. Well, it says a lot for this interjurisdictional cooperation yeah. that goes on in areas like this. Well, but um, um, we have to kind of look at the mindset. What does that five mile radius really represent? Is it a five mile radius from the last point he was seen, the gas station, And we're looking at that on the map right now. Um, Or he now knows somebody's chasing him. Is he driving at a high rate of speed? And does he quickly get out of that area? But as we look at a five-mile radius around, uh, this purple area that is showing on the screen indicates what a five-mile drive radius is around that particular location look at all the bodies of water that are in that area and the challenges creates for the team. So what I did is I went in and I got some other County records that took all of these bodies of water, but I wanted to look at it a little differently. I wanted to change the color of those bodies of water to red because I always like to put a red star where I think the team should look all of a sudden this thing got pretty darn overwhelming, pretty fast. Let's just assume he takes this uh, most uh, uh, westerly route back home and all of these in red now folks just think i'm only doing this to emphasize it red is water bodies that potentially would need to be checked as we follow his pathway down here it becomes uh unmanageable in just minutes even if we consider the pathway that he could have potentially driven up but we know he made it we have some really interesting locations to look at But that didn't take me away from thinking of a couple of really interesting places along the way that we identified on the map uh, as uh, potential areas to look at. This being one of them, in fact, if we just change this map over and look at it from an aerial image standpoint, now all of a sudden we have those big bodies of water again that we could start to say, well, it's on the road. But again, look at the bridges here, uh, Taylor. I mean, those barriers on the side make it pretty darn hard to launch off and end up in the water. And so, talking to local authorities and to people close to the to this case to come up with an idea of where he would have been going, we don't know, again, where his girlfriend was living.
1: Definitely. And I think that you're right. I think there is more to this than is maybe publicly known. Obviously, there are things in these cases that need to be kept a little bit more quiet that is not for everyone to be able to just invest in Google. Um, <laughs> and I really hope that there are some answers on the horizon for his family. Um, in 2019, Steven's mom Astrid McCrell said that she sometimes just dreams of her son coming home and she will never give up looking for him. And unfortunately, his daughter is growing up with missing posters of her dad. Long without a trace, it's been nearly four years since the Fort Lauderdale man disappeared. And tonight, his mother is making an emotional plea to help solve this mystery. Stephen McCrell was last seen at, at a Pompano Beach gas station in the early morning of July 30th, 2015.
2: But where he went after that remains a mystery all these years later. CBS Sports Ted Scout is live tonight in downtown Fort Lauderdale with details. Ted. Jim and Rudebay, that family, obviously desperate for answers. It was four years ago tonight that that victim was here at Lucky's Tavern. He was here with his brother and a friend. A few hours after he left, though, he vanished.
3: We were celebrating her first birthday, and that was the last time we we took family pictures. He he adored that little girl.
2: Stephen McCrell was a father to his daughter, Skylar, a son, a boyfriend, a brother, a man who had many people who loved him. 4 years ago he vanished.
3: I dream sometimes that uh, he's coming home. He's knocking at the door and i going to open the door and he's there and and I just hope those dreams will come through. I'm still looking for him.
2: His mom drives around with the missing posters on her car, hoping someone will give her information. The last place he was seen was at this gas station at Sample and Dixie Highway in Pompano Beach in the early morning hours of July 30th of 2015. A little later, surveillance video captured him again. There was an apparent verbal altercation.
3: Then he had a conversation with some people in the car. And those people, um, they left and uh, my son threw a can toward to the car So I guess that got them upset.
2: Police say this is the passenger who was in that car. Surveillance video shows that same car take off after Stephen pulled out. His girlfriend, Alicia Carr, the woman he shared a child with, wants to know what happened next. Maybe he,
3: they hit, they like ran him off the road and then he went into the lake or, I mean, I'm just, I'm so uncertain because there's so many different scenarios that I have thought about.
2: Police have checked on that, but found nothing.
1: We searched almost 200 bodies of water in and around the Pompano Beach area, uh, looking for any sign of McCrell or his
3: vehicle.
2: The family realizes the outlook is bleak, but just wants to know for certain what happened.
3: They probably murdered him because where is he? I forgive them. They have done that. I I have forgiven them, and I'm praying for their salvation. Then one day they will have to know Christ and they will one day they will step for their the truth of what happened
2: and police want to talk to that guy you saw there in the surveillance video to see if he can shed any light onto any of this if you have information that can help give Broward Crime Stoppers a call the number is 954-493-TIPS live in Fort Lauderdale Ted Scout CBS and
0: you said it best 200 lakes alone that they've already or water bodies that they've already looked at So what are your thoughts, folks? This is a perplexing mystery, isn't it? We hope that you're going to take a moment and enter your comments down below. And make sure you're reading over those that have been submitted by others. Spend some time responding to each other. Now make sure you've hit that like and subscribe button. Hey, don't forget to check out Taylor's YouTube channel, TGI Crime Day. I'm subscribed and I hope that you will too. You can find Profiling Evil on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you like podcasts, check out Profiling Evil on your favorite podcast platform. And for those of you living down in Southeast Asia, don't miss Mapping Evil with Mike King. It's now the recipient of the Australian Podcast Award and the International Podcast Award. We're really proud of it. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon at the next Crime Scene. Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years. And one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing. But you got to click the link and enter Evil 10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time.